0: Section thirteen of the Rose Colored World and Other Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rose Colored World and Other Fantasies by Ethel Mary Brody. Doctor Scholar Crutch of Alsfarnia. Many strange stories circulated through the old town of Alsfarnia concerning one dr scholar crutch a quaint and eccentric ancient but of all the weird tales only one was founded on fact his medical genius his passion for horses his love story all provoked the gossips and the old women of the town for his genius was wonderful his passion extraordinary his love affair certainly odd And the gossips sat over their cups of tea and wove miraculous tales. Each gossip made a suggestion or offered a suspicion. And each suggestion and suspicion soon became an accepted fact. No one questioned or doubted after that. The gossips made the tale. The tale must, of course, be true. So the tales grew and waxed complex, and a mystery enshrouded them but long after the old doctor's death the truth crept out as it will when it is left alone death had wiped away the falsities and gradually the real tale remained simple strange indeed but the truth the habits of dr scholar crutch were odd and his manners unprepossessing and many indeed were the persons whom he offended his radical independence from these singular habits and manners originated the innumerable queer stories which vibrated through the gossip's quarters of alfsfarnia in his latter days his favorite pastime was watering the grass people scorned when they heard of it till they witnessed the doctor at work then they laughed with tears in their eyes for there was something pathetic in seeing this quaint old man completely engrossed in so simple a thing as watering his lawns. The onlooker who knew could scarce help comparing the doctor's youth, prime, and old age. It might rain for a week, or perchance two, or even longer. The lawns might be radiantly green and still over damp but the first dry day that appeared scholar crutch would be out on his lawns saturating the grass Less a collar tie and waistcoat with his trousers turned up and a purple muffler tight around his throat the doctor would stand with his hose or move slowly from one soppy spot to another or even let it lie comfortably near the garden walk where it would soak into the ground and there the hose would flow not for an hour that was too little for twelve hours, sometimes for twenty-four, till Lonelymoor was surrounded by a mild form of moat. This was in the days when Lonelymoor was turned into a boarding-house. His neighbors said he was crazy. Neighbors are always minute students of human nature, so from their standpoint he probably was. They wondered if the paying guests of Moor brought top-boots when they came to board. They thought that Mrs. Perkins ought to request that of her boarders, or else keep a pair for general use, whereby the guests could reach the sidewalk without sinking knee-deep in marsh to annihilation and desolation of their clothes, for the hose went on forever. Dr. Scholar Crutch only spoke to people when he felt so disposed. This was a rare and useful habit of his, a habit some of us would like to acquire when a fine morning came sometimes a guest would descend with a cheery optimistic smile feeling exuberant with fresh joy of the day and seeking to be friendly with the old man good morning dr crutch he would exclaim hopefully isn't the weather glorious and how are you today?" but dr crutch was oblivious purposely so just as likely as not he gave the broad side of his shoulders to the chirpy guest, and continued watering the grass without comment. Indeed, without the faintest glimmering sign that he heard any voice, except the robin's chirrup in the treetop, or the cricket's monotonous plaint in the grass, every new guest suffered excessive spells of embarrassment as a result, and finally gave up all efforts at friendliness in despair if dr crutch did speak it was so sudden and disconcerting that the boarders who chose to keep their equilibrium usually gave him a wide berth the doctor had dug up and planted a precious bed on the front lawn wherein turnips and radishes throve to a portly extent next door lived a mischievous boy and a mischievous penknife when dr crutch was out of sight the boy darted to the bed freely helping himself to the coveted treat of raw turnip or radish. But there were times when the old doctor was behind the parlor curtains of Onlymoor. And then the thunderous voice, which yelled so suddenly and so harshly, Get out of that! thoroughly unnerved the young turnip thief for a week afterward. Dr. Crutch had powerful lungs. The main peculiarity of his habit of not speaking to persons, except when he felt so disposed, was on occasions of introduction. Accidentally, Missus Perkins several times committed the offence of introducing strangers to the worthy old doctor. Alack, how deeply they were offended! When cordially offering him a hand and a kindly "How do you do," he turned his back and calmly walked away. Eccentric cried his neighbors yes from their standpoint he was but if he did not wish to know the persons he was at least sincere and how many have courage for such sincerity and thus it came about that so many strange stories were whispered through the gossip's quarters of all svarnia but the doctor's oddities were largely responsible and if we add this story it is for the reason that it is mostly founded on truth a story, more or less, about this quaint old man will not affect the fact of his well-known kindness to the poor and for those far inferior to him in intellect. Alsfarnia is a town with an aged history, a history which links itself with centuries. It spreads itself carelessly on two banks of a restless, whirling river. Its streets and avenues run anywhere, in devious ways, and if you walk far enough without ending where you began, eventually you find yourself in the midst of flat meadows and fields. The river Farnia throws its long, nervous arm halfway round the town, and then sweeps away through steep, wooded banks to a vast blue lake. Ceaselessly, the Als Farnia mill grinds its wheels at the west end of the town day and night whirl the wheels of the mill on and on in a dull wearisome roar Tis soothing to the miller but sometimes sadly tiring to all others weekday and sunday the mill is never at rest it is grind 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 forever in the little town of Alsvarnia. many years ago a black-haired hopeful youth entered the restless town no one knew where he came from or why he had come there He came, and that was all the townsfolk knew, or cared about knowing his past. The young man's eyes sparkled with a fire of enthusiasm. He looked as if he were bent on conquering the world, conquering it in his own way and with his own special weapon. And his weapon was to heal and cure. Dr. Scholar Crutch had great faith in his potions and mixtures, a tried faith he knew them as only the most persistent student and anxious scholar knows who has given brain heart and nerve to his own special work and never considered his time at the bedside of a sick patient from town to town and village to village this brilliant and vagabond youth had wandered soothing tired nerves healing sicknesses renewing youth and health to all whom he treated He had learned the deepest and darkest secrets of his art and it was whispered that he used daring remedies which only men of medical genius had courage to employ indeed some of the old wives of alsfarnia declared that he had met witches who had endowed him with miraculous knowledge his cures seemed to them so wonderful and yet with all his brilliant intellect and his splendid knowledge dr scholar crutch succumbed to love like any other human being. Indeed, he was more helpless in its power than a man of average intelligence. His wanderings ended for a while with Alsfarnia. There he settled down after a year's hard work. With almost fanatical zeal, he pursued his road, thoughtfully, eagerly, wholly engrossed. No one ever regretted a visit to Dr. Scholar Crutch, and Alsfarnia soon learned to love and trust the black-eyed, nervous physician. It was a sunny, flower-sweet day in the summertime. As the doctor sat in his office, his shaggy black curls tumbling lawlessly over his forehead as he bent over some deep treatise on medical science, on every hand were books, shelves of books mounted to the ceiling, mostly medical. Books lay carelessly scattered on his reading-table, and some had fallen on the floor. It was a small room, overlooking the seething, fearless river. The windows were open, and the insistent roar of the mill could be heard. Nothing brightened the room but the sunlight, and it stole in and out softly. Dr. Crutch, being scarce aware that it came and went, so lost to all else but his work was he at the age of thirty-four years on this sunny day a slender hand pushed open the door and a fair lily-like face peered in it was a delicate lily face surrounded by an aureole of golden hair and deep-set with two large blue eyes fluid as sapphires celeste was a maiden of eighteen years and had grown up in the town of alsfarnia timidly the girl opened the door and slowly entered as the doctor lifted his head in surprise she smiled radiantly how beautiful celeste had suddenly grown so thought scholar crutch well celeste what can i do for you today? he asked wondering why he had never noticed her beauty before mother is poorly returned the girl in a low shy voice what is the matter pursued the doctor absently drinking in the loveliness of the sapphire eyes and sunlit hair oh i don't know could you come and see her today? perhaps this afternoon with a little intonation of pleading wonderfully fresh and sweet to the doctor's ears i think i could he answered smiling encouragement to the rather timid celeste will now do yes i would be so glad if you would come she responded eagerly mother looks so white and so tired poor soul murmured the doctor kindly i have been doing all the work this last week to save her continued celeste but i am not a giant in strength and i'm afraid i don't get it all done quite well and she looked troubled i am certain it is all right readily encouraged the doctor, thinking to himself that anything done by Celeste would be near perfection. And then he added, irrelevantly, how gaily the sun shines today. It always does, murmured the girl softly. Somehow I don't seem to have noticed it shining so brightly before, rejoined he, glancing at Celeste's beautiful head as he gazed out of the window. I love the sunlight, don't you? she asked dreamily watching it dancing on the foaming crests of the turbid river i do indeed came his almost ardent answer as he leaned back in his chair thoroughly lost in the golden ringlets of celeste's pretty head some folks get up every day and never seem to think of it went on celeste isn't that odd very replied dr crutch still lost perhaps they needed someone to point it out to them celeste laughed how funny that would be she cried i don't know that it would be so funny you see i never seem to have noticed it till he stopped a trifle embarrassed as the girl turned her great innocent eyes on him till what came her childlike question till you showed it to me today he finished i laughed the girl he nodded i think that is funnier than ever she laughed you know you have lived so much longer than i have "'looking at him solemnly. "'Yes, I have, and I haven't,' he remarked, "'standing beside her near the window. "'Oh, but you have,' she declared earnestly. "'Yes, yesterday I was older than you. "'Today,' he hesitated, "'today what?' she asked gravely. "'Today I am no older than you.' "'And as Celeste laughed outright, he laughed too.' such a happy laugh then let us play at children she cried merrily when i was little i used to like playing out grown-ups now that i am grown up i would like to play at being a child again wouldn't you indeed i would he exclaimed gaily we must go to mother now she said suddenly remembering why she had come all right returned the doctor with an odd but delightful sense of obeying a little princess Wonderful whispered Dr. Crutch to himself, closing his book and his desk. And then he and Celeste set out for her home, their first walk together. And to the doctor it was a revelation. Celeste's home was a trim little cottage nestling amid rose bushes. For years she and her widowed mother had lived here alone on the poor little fortune her father had left he had worked at the mill and had lost his life beneath the mill wheels years ago so the sound of the mill had a pathetic appeal for the mother and she had chosen a cottage at the east end of the town to be away from its mournful roar celeste's mother never overstrong, had failed much of late it was a frail little woman whom dr crutch came to see she was sitting in the porch her hands idly toying with her darning needles, the roses and wisteria drooping above her. The day was warm, and the wind just lightly caressed the silvery hair of the little old lady. Many years ago she had left her native land, and the old French courtesies and graces still lingered in her manners. She tried to rise as the doctor approached, but he gently touched her arm and, saying kindly, Never mind getting up for me. It is the privilege of age to rest and you are so young and active she said smiling half wistfully and glancing up at the stalwart sinewy man with his broad strong shoulders and so is celeste he returned cheerfully observing the mother's anxious glance at her daughter ah but celeste is a woman and she will have to work hard some day for I shall not be long here to look after. Don't talk like that, Cherie, interrupted Celeste, tenderly. But it is true nevertheless, Minon, and the little we have will not always support you, she sighed wearily. Never mind about Celeste, broke in the doctor quickly. She has youth and health, and I would that they could last, rejoined the mother sadly. What a pity that we have to grow old but some of us grow old gracefully and sweetly remarked the doctor and you are one of these thank you she smiled as a girl i always hoped i would to grow hard and critical as age creeps on is dreadful even if it is hidden by charm of manner or intellect i always had a horror of that such persons end their lives in a lonely loveless way and i always wish to end mine in love and peace "'And you will have your way, Cherie,' said Celeste, caressing the silvery hair of the little old lady. "'I think so,' the mother said gently, as she drew the girl's face down to her own and kissed it. "'Mignon!' Again the doctor observed the strange look she gave Celeste. "'As for Celeste,' said he lightly, "'I shall take care of her, and be a good guardian, too.' How he wished in his heart that it might be so! "'Do you mean that?' asked the mother earnestly. "'The doctor made a rapid mental decision. "'Yes, certainly,' he answered. "'And you will take care of her after I am gone?' she queried. "'You can rely upon me for that,' he returned. "'Celeste blushed, but said nothing. "'Then the doctor addressed her. "'How would you like to look after my office, Celeste?' "'The girl's eyes danced with pleasure.' but she ventured shyly i'll do my best indeed she will added the mother and i am satisfied of that said he dreams flitting through his head of the sweet girl's presence so near him in the days to come and i shall bring some of my roses and wisteria said celeste with a gay smile to brighten your room and the books and you will bring sunshine too finished the doctor thinking of her recent visit to his office Here's a rose for you now," she exclaimed happily, picking one off the vine which clambered over the porch, "and some wisteria too." With deft fingers, Celeste tied the boutonnière and handed it to him. "You will pin it on?" he begged, looking down into her childlike blue eyes. Celeste pinned it on. "That seals the bargain, mother," she cried mischievously, and they all laughed. "And now, what can I do for you today?" asked the doctor turning seriously to the mother, and then proceeded a consultation about the patient. Her heart was very weak. Dr. Crutch said little, but he quickly realized that she had not long to live, and at any moment might be found dead. Then the days and weeks rapidly rolled away, rapidly for Dr. Crutch, for he had awakened to love, love such as he had never known, love of Celeste's blue eyes and sunny hair here in alsfarnia had this lovely flower been budding and blossoming and he only now opened his eyes to its beauty why had he never wakened before ah he had been so lost in his work how little a thing it seemed now dr scholar crutch was changing and celeste knew it was love among the roses and wisteria in the porch some months later Celeste's mother was found dead. After the lonely period of mourning, Celeste began her daily trips to the doctor's office, and she did what she could to help him in his work. What a strange new joy it all was! How peacefully and happily the days passed for the lovers! When the day's work was done, what quietly joyous walks they had out in the meadows, under the stars with the air of flowers sweet around them! and how tenderly celeste felt his sympathy when they visited the churchyard where the mother lay sleeping beneath a cedar tree and they laid a wreath of roses and wisteria at her feet they were blissful days indeed at eventide they would wander by the river alsfarnia or seated on its wooded banks listening to the mill wheels grinding grinding or the river's song as it eddied in gushes of foam to the lake, sweetly sounded the notes of tired birds as they hurried to their cosy nests, and the lovers watched the lights of the town like a hundred eyes, opening one by one. Happy indeed were they! And then late, one autumn, when the leaves were dying, the tragedy came. Celeste, was standing by the river's edge, listening to the mournful, monotonous music of the mill wheels, when the little, constant heart ceased its beating forever. Dr. Crutch had never suspected the heart's weakness, and the blue eyes closed beneath the mill wheels, and the golden hair floated on the foam of the restless river and was borne away to the vast blue lake. Dr. Scholar Crutch silently left Alsfornia for thirty years or more the doctor roved no one knew where and came again to Alsfornia. no one knew whence scholar crutch had aged the black eyes sunk deep beneath shaggy black brows the snows of age had whitened his unruly curls and deep were the furrows of silent suffering which lined his face His broad shoulders seems to have shrunk and hunched up, and he walked as if forever in an unreal world. He was a rich man now. Money had flowed generously into his careless coffers since the death of Celeste. Success had followed him everywhere, though he cared little for it. Scholar Crutch was a saddened man, and no amount of money or success could wipe out the memory of Celeste. In the town of Alsfarnia he built a grand mansion, with great rooms and halls. Moor, he called it. He filled it with all that could inspire and satisfy an artist and a scholar. Rare books and curios from all over the world filled his shelves and decorated his tables. And beneath its ionic pillars, Dr. Scholar Crutch opened its doors wide in hospitality and gaiety. The gaiety did not last. He wearied of it all. Neither the maze of the dance nor the mystery of the theatre could make him forget Celeste. As for love again, that was impossible. Women had no power over him. Neither brilliance of intellectual attainments nor beauty of face and form attracted him. And no sparkling glass, however cheering, however stupefying, tossed away the sweet memories of the long ago. For a little while he might forget, but that was all. As time went on, his chiefest pleasure was his stable of horses. He had horses of rare beauty and grace, and with rare and long pedigrees. This soon became his one interest in life. Indeed, his love of horses developed into a kind of passion. And he would spend hours and hours till midnight and longer poring over his books on horses. Soon his friends began to notice this strange absorption. Then his patients began to feel its effects. Day by day, his office had been filled with weary and eager patients earnest for his sympathy and services. But the famous physician was absorbed in horseflesh. And hour by hour his patients waited in vain while he sat in his study poring over a volume on horses. Serious cases arose, and still Scholar Crutch was lost in his beloved books, oblivious of everyone and everything. He had been known to calmly walk out to his stables and spend a whole afternoon among his horses while a crowd of patients waited in his rooms, only partly aware of his extraordinary passion. At first the neglected patients excused him on the ground of forgetfulness and eccentricity, but gradually resentment awakened, and though his friends interceded for him, their rancor remained unappeased. These townsfolk had their sense of justice and their measure of pride, and slowly they ceased to visit the great doctor. Morning, noon, and night it was horses, horses. His meals were late, his patients what few were left were absurdly neglected and his friends gave up in despair and no one guessed the truth back of it all the effort and the absorption of this strange passion buried celeste in the past dr scholar crutch forgot one wintry day when the snow lay deep and the frost bit into the trees a loud knock sounded on his study door scholar crutch was as usual lost in his favorite books unconscious of all comers but the knock was followed by the determined knocker opening the door and sturdily walking over to the doctor's desk he was one of doctor scholar crutch's late resentful patients it was a splendid room the walls were lined with fine old mahogany bookcases bulging with volumes Five great windows opened on to a wide lawn, shadowed by ancient oaks and elms and pines now encased in snow. Long green velvet curtains were drawn aside to let in the sunlight, and it fell on rare paintings, and on marble busts of famous medical men, and on brightly polished brasses from the Orient. On a carved ebony table, inlaid with pearl, stood a vase filled with roses and wisteria the only sweet human touch in the solemn room the flowers blended their fragrance with the odors of ancient vellum and modern leather atmospherically the stranger felt the room cold unapproachable had he not come with a very grave purpose willingly he would have retired deep in his volume on horses dr scholar crutch was quite indifferent to the fact that several patients were awaiting him how do you do called the man loudly and sharply the doctor did not lift his head but answered coolly well that mine of yours sir i have come to speak about it the man said oh barely articulated the doctor turning a page and proceeding deliberately with his perusal The man watched him a moment, and then said in a hard voice, The mine has been burned out, men killed, the machinery wrecked. The doctor did not move a muscle, and continued reading to the end of the page. You have lost about five hundred thousand, continued the man, icily. The doctor calmly slipped the paper cutter between the leaves, and turning his head, glanced at the man. Cheerful news he remarked very sarcastically from the man anything more inquired the doctor indifferently guess you'll have to sell all this said the man rather insolently waving his hand around the room the doctor looked carelessly at his bookshelves and responded coldly well what of that the man stared in amazement at the reply and your horses he added slowly dr crutch gave an almost imperceptible start my horses my horses he said painfully as if speaking to himself yes your horses concluded the man they have been good friends to me friends in my loneliness went on the doctor softly as if he had not heard the man no one knows how good they have helped forgetfulness and i must give them up The man stood half-cynically studying the great doctor. "'And why not?' he asked almost rudely. "'Ah, that's it. And why not? Why not?' And the doctor gently fingered the pages of his volume. "'What are your orders?' inquired the man, scrupulously hard. "'Sell everything,' murmured the doctor absently. "'And the horses?' pursued the man, persistently cruel. "'And the horses?' with a sigh the doctor bent again over his reading and became oblivious and so the man left him some years later old dr crutch bereft of everything in life wandered listlessly the streets of alsfarnia giving the poor his services freely and kindly lonely moor was sold its stables its books its pictures all he had possessed Lonelymore was now a boarding-house, and Dr. Crutch occupied the garret, a little bed, the ebony table, and the dearest to him of all, a picture of Celeste, were all that he had left of his once rich and artistic home, and the little ebony table still held its vase of flowers, fresh whenever the old man could get them, and here the great doctor faded, faded with his wealth and his success in an ancient black suit shiny and rusty with wear and a black tie as aged dr scholar crutch lived and dreamed among his roses gathering them while the flower sweet season lasted forever watering the lawns forever tending his rose bushes he had ceased to hunt forgetfulness and the memory of celeste lay peacefully upon him so the old man drifted into eternity vanished with the roses and the watering ceased, and the sun came and went as in the days of celeste and the mill wheel whirled on unmindful the monotonous lament ceaselessly vibrating through alsfarnia and as the light of another kinder world filled the eyes of the dying man the sunshine streamed over the ebony table and over the roses and wisteria and he murmured softly tenderly as if to some dear presence i lived and i died for you years ago my dream celeste i tried forgetfulness but i love you still celeste celeste End of section 13